Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And all of God's children said, Amen. According to some recent statistics by the Census Bureau, almost 30 million people in the U.S. have moved. 30 million. That's about 9% of our population. And while 85% of those who moved generally stay in the state that they're in, 15% move to a whole other state. The average American will move about 11 times in his or her lifetime. And while that might mean searching for boxes at the local liquor store or price chopper could be classified as an American pastime with those kind of numbers, Let's take a look at what the top three reasons are. The first one is wanting a newer, better, or larger home. The second reason for moving is a new job or a job transfer. And lastly, the third one is to establish your own household, to get your own home. Obviously, though, a, a lot of moving around is due to work. This means that some companies that move their employees often have relocation benefits. These packages, these benefits can include packing and moving of all the household goods, helping you buy or sell a home, paying for, paying for house hunting tips, maybe even providing temporary housing during that move. They might pay for storage, help move the family car. The pandemic has made those kind of relocation efforts really difficult as many businesses, larger corporations, in one particular state may buy up homes in, near their regional headquarters. So if people are trying to find and get a new job in that state, it might be harder to find housing. These relocation packages are pretty good news for those if you're a new hire or if the company decides it needs you someplace else. It sure beats loading up a U-Haul all by yourself and packing boxes by yourself. A good relocation package can make all the difference in terms of you transitioning from where you are to where you're going. Of course, this constant changing of addresses shouldn't be new to us. For those of us of faith who know the Bible and have read it regularly. In many ways, we're simply following the lead of our, our biblical ancestors who also moved a lot for work or to find better pastures for their animals. But whatever the reason, God is the one doing the moving. Remember Joseph's statement to his brothers in Genesis, so it was not you who sent me here, but God. We remember Abraham moving from Mesopotamia to Canaan on God's promise of a family and a home after only talking to him just once. Jacob moved to Egypt in a time of famine. Moses moved the Hebrews out of Egypt back to Canaan. Remember the story of Ruth? She moved from Moab to Judah. Maybe the most traumatic move of all was the Jews who were taken from their homeland and deported to Babylon to live in exile. As we've heard even today with Jeremiah this week and Jeremiah from last week. And one of the stories we'll hear this fall, Joseph moving his family, Mary and Jesus, to Egypt 
for a couple years. And of course, there's always the constant traveler Paul on all of his journeys. None of these moves or journeys was easy. They didn't have any help in packing or unpacking, no, no moving truck. All they had was friends and family, ox carts, camels, donkeys. Life at that moment for them was often reduced to what you could carry on your back. But despite that difficult relocation with all of those faithful people, God was the mover. God provided the people with a, a relocation package that rivals anything from any corporation. Because God is in the relocation business. God is an expert at it, as a matter of fact. The benefits that come from God being the mover apply to you whether you move, your move is an actual physical move or more of an emotional, relational, or spiritual one. I mean, think about it. God is the mover. He takes care of our furniture, our, our stuff. Of course, all of our stuff may not be handled the way we want. In fact, God may lose some of our baggage. But if God is the mover and God loses that baggage, maybe it's best to say that some of that baggage is lost. Some baggage, emotional or spiritual, we should hang on to. But what do we leave behind? What gets lost? Maybe resentment, maybe confusion, impatience, intolerance, guilt, bitterness. Often when we're packing, what takes up a lot of space is our clothes. But much of the baggage the mover wants you to leave behind, to leave behind, has to do with clothes. The Apostle Paul recommends what we should be packing for clothing, what we should put on. We should put on clothing like kindness, compassion, humility, meekness. All of which takes up a lot less space than packing anger and wrath and malice, slander, abusive language, judgment. The other thing God the mover does is he takes care of our expenses. We're talking about taking care of those things that fall under the umbrella of grace. Grace is God's unmerited favor for us. Paul writes to the Corinthian church, for it is by the grace of God that I am what I am. He also writes about a period of time when he was emotionally and spiritually in turmoil, but God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul then says, so I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. For the Israelites, God even provided free food for the journey. Manna and quail, enough to eat, but not enough to save. It would spoil if they tried to hoard it. So God provides for all of our needs. God the mover also offers us access 24-7, 365, if we have questions or concerns. Well, these days, anything that we have on our phone comes with an application, right? There's a lot of great apps that we can have on our phone to do different things. But when it comes to God the mover... And access to God, there's only two applications we need, and they're not on our phone. Those applications are prayer and the Bible. You don't even need to call Siri or any other kind of electronic voice 
to open it. There aren't any menu options you have to go through. God invites us. God the mover invites us by saying, call to me and I will answer you. I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not yet known. God even knows our voices. And Isaiah, I have called you by name. You are mine. Or John, he calls us his own by name and leads us out. God is always in. He's never out of the office, never on a lunch break. The psalmist says, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel neither slumber nor sleep. God is always available. And then we know that when we move, often the movers have guarantees. God the mover offers us certain guarantees. These are obviously God's promises to us. Maybe the one important promise he offers is peace. We hear it in 2 Thessalonians. The Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and protect you. Or the promise we hear in Philippians. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Or Jesus' words from John. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. And lastly, the God who moves us is always with us. God offers to come with us on the journey he's leading us on. I mean, the big example of this is when Moses led the, the people out of Egypt. God went with them. God's presence was there, indicated by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night. The Exodus should be an outline for us on how God relocates people and is always with us in that relocation. God makes the move with God's people. That's just how God works. It's his standard operating procedure. God asks us to go, and God goes with. In Isaiah, we hear the prophet say, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the waters, they shall not overwhelm you. For I am the Lord your God. Jesus even said, and remember, I will be with you always until the end of the age. God in Christ's presence was good news to the exiles to whom the prophet was writing. The people that that time in Jeremiah's time had been moved, as we've talked about before, into enemy territory. And now, after so much time had passed, God promised to relocate them back in their homes to the land which they came from. God's message through the prophet was a hopeful one. Wherever you've gone, I will bring you back. Of course, we know that many of these exiles did go home, did return when the Persians defeated the relatively short-lived Babylonian Empire, they allowed the Jews to go home. While some stayed in Babylon, having built equity in the life there, others packed up once again and made the journey home. Even then there was a sense that they weren't really at home when they got there. I mean, it wasn't theirs. They were still living under another foreign power. 
And that's a state that lasted through the New Testament time and even beyond. It must have felt like moving from once being a prosperous homeowner to now being a renter in the home you used to own. Things changed. A lot of things changed when they got back. But you know what didn't change? God. God did not change. God promised to save that that remnant, that group of people who were willing to go home to the promised land. And God gathered the people into a new place, even though it was their old home. They returned to their occupied land, but God now seemed even more concerned through Jeremiah with returning them to a faithful state of mind. Their physical address was not important, but their relocation in spiritual relationship to God was important to him. I will write it on their hearts. Whether we're thinking about moving, whether we're thinking about making some changes in our lives, whether it's now or the coming months or even next year, whether we're thinking about changing addresses, Jeremiah tells us that the first move that we should be making is to come back to the promises of God, the promises of grace and mercy, love and forgiveness, joy and peace. In our world today, followers of Jesus Christ are being more and more a remnant, a small portion of people. So in order to continue to be that remnant, to be prepared when God calls us to move, we have to first recognize our dependence on God, our dependence for redemption from the hands of sin. We need to recognize as well that we have sometimes been blind to God's vision for our lives. We need to acknowledge our own lame attempts to do things the way we want to do them. And we need to realize that we need new birth with the guiding hand of the shepherd. Back when we were part of the Wyoming Conference, I heard a a message offered at conference, and it included a passage, a poem, put together by a man by the name of Killian McDonald. And in it, he shared his thoughts about Abraham's call. Remember that Abraham was called by God out of nowhere. He didn't even know who God was. And this is Mr. McDonald's take on Abraham's call in in a poem. Let me read it to you. Talk about imperious, without a by your leave, or may I presume, no previous contact, no letter of introduction, no greeting, just out of the blue, this unknown God issues edicts. This is not a conversation. Am I and nobody to receive decrees from one whose name I do not know? And at our first encounter, I have worshipped my own God. To you I have addressed no prayers, offered no sacrifices, asked no favors, but quick, like sudden fire in the desert, without the most elemental ritual, I hear the words, go. At 75, am I supposed to scuttle my life Take that ancient wasteland, Sarah, place my thin arthritic bones upon the road to some mumbled nowhere? Let me get this straight. I will be brief. I summarize. In ten generations since the flood, you have spoken to no one. You give commands, 
pull up my tent, desert my home, the graves of my ancestors, my friends next door, leave Haran for a country you don't name, there to be a stranger and a sojourner. God of the wilderness, from two desiccated lumps, from two parched prunes, you make a promise of a great nation. In me, all peoples of the earth will be blessed. You come late, Lord, very late. But my camels leave in the morning. My camels leave in the morning. If somebody like Abraham and many others throughout the Bible on just one word from God, go, will pick up and move, trusting God as the mover, shouldn't we do it as well? If we want to do better and be better as God's chosen people, we have to begin by relocating ourselves, not from a physical address, but from where we are spiritually. We have to relocate ourselves closer to God in worship, in prayer, in repentance, in grace. It's this humility and faithfulness that will enable us and the church to once again occupy a space in the life of our communities. As God promised through Jeremiah, the nations and the coastlands will see God's redemptive power revealed. They will see it because they are humble children of God who walk in his straight path. It shouldn't matter our physical address. We need to be properly located. And we can do that when we allow God to be the one who moves us. Too often we kind of move on our own. We go from one place to another, one thing to another, one new idea to another. But God's calling us. I'm ready to take you home. Will you come? I will go with you. Pack light. Be ready. With all my promises, I will be there with you wherever you go. So what is calling God calling you? Where is God calling you to move? Besides closer to him through Jesus Christ, is God calling you to physically move or move spiritually? And what is that spiritual move that God is asking you to do that has been weighing on you, that feels like a tapping on your shoulder with God saying it's time to go? When we allow God to be the one who moves, we will see some amazing things happen. Amen.